Before we start, I just want to make a shout out for all of our listeners in Seattle, Washington, Columbus, Ohio, Dallas, Texas, and Portman, Oregon. Thank you so much for listening and for supporting the podcast. This episode contains violence and scenes not suitable for very young audiences. Parental guidance is advised. Every person has darkness within, some darker than others, devouring them from inside out. And she's one of those. Remember her? The girl who murdered five in season one, episode three. She strikes again. This is season three, episode three, titled Viciously Yours. A story written and produced by yours truly. Enjoy. I wake up bathed in my sweat. I look around the room and remembers that I'm in my apartment. The quiet whir of the ceiling fan is the only sound I can hear until my hands cover my ears as that same buzzing noise assaulted me. It takes a few minutes before it subsided, and when it does, my whole body started shaking and my mind racing. This insatiable thirst for violence, for spilled blood, grips me with its cause. No. No. I wouldn't do it again. Not ever again. I can take seeing those eyes staring back at me. I can't. I look at the mirror and see the monster that I am. My eyes focused on my bloodied cheeks and then make their way to my blood-soaked black turtleneck sweater and pants. I have chosen well. Not just the attire. Also, the girl. The girl is now lying cold, dead, and dismembered on the steel table. My parents had chosen well. This apartment is convenient. Convenient for me and my victims. The shaking is gone now. And I am feeling better. The only remaining thing to do is the disposal of this girl's body. And where else should I dump it that will make it hard for the authorities to discover and name her? The Reaver. This time, all of them will have a Jane Doe. No face, no name, nothing. And no one's going to suspect me. In case there's someone just like her, then she will be disposed of too. And I smiled at the mirror. You've got really pretty hair, the girl sitting behind me exclaims. 
I can feel my face turning red as I hear the compliment. Oh, uh, thank you, I reply shyly. By the way, I'm Violet. She extends her hand to me and I accept it with mine. This is Jenna. She points to the girl with curly hair and tanned skin. The other one's Shuri. This time, she's looking at a girl sitting beside a boy. She has long, silky black hair and pretty eyes. She reminds me of someone. My eyes fixate on her as she bats her eyelashes to the boy beside her. And that's her boyfriend, Vlad. Violet reluctantly added. I just nod my head and say, Nice meeting you all, guys. Then, I smile. Well, why don't you come with us? We'll drive to the river this afternoon, said Violet, the obvious leader of the group. What are you gonna do there? Nah, we'll just hang out, drink a few beers, and then we go home, says Jenna, donning her sunglasses. So, are you in? I go silent, thinking. After a few seconds, I hear myself say, Maybe next time? I've got to study anatomy for the quiz tomorrow. They both laughed at me. Such a goody two-shoes, exclaims Violet, patting my head. It's okay. Next time you can't say no. I thumb up and slowly walks towards the other side of the room. All the while, looking at the girl with long, silky, black hair. I turn off my headlights and drive towards secluded area by the bushes. The river is two kilometers wide and very deep, the sort where crocodiles foster, and these idiot college girls are having the time of their lives drinking at the bank. From here, I can see Violet sitting at the driver's seat of their parked car chugging a can of beer. Jenna is making out with the boy at the back seat and the girl with long, silky black hair sits down on a picnic mat, talking with her boyfriend. So, this is where they frequent. I can understand the reason for that. Young adults love to be independent and want a lot of space and freedom. Maybe this place gives them that. Even I would like to be free and just be who I am. Only that, there's still a part of me that wants to rein it in. A part of me that's want to be free from my obsession. A part of me that wants to just be a normal girl, enjoying normal and mundane things just like the group in front of me. But there's always that little voice in my head that I can't turn off. That little voice that tells me to set that inner monster free. The clock on my dashboard says 7pm. 
The group starts to pack up and in a matter of minutes drive out of the unpaved road back to the main street. As for me, I can also bide my time. What am I if not patient? I love listening to crime podcasts. They are my inspiration in writing crime and thriller stories just like this one. And I'm so glad to have worked with Military True Crime Addict, a podcast by David Kokish, to make this episode happen. I listened to almost all of the episodes already, except of course for those that are yet to be released. And I am enjoying it. Military True Crime Addict explores actual military true crime stories that have not been reported on by news outlets or media. There are detailed stories that touch on topics such as assault, harassment, sexual preference, abuse of power, murder, hazing, rape, and all stories that relate to our military, veterans, and their extended families. There are also stories of serial killers with a military background. What's cool is, you get to listen to the actual voice of the victims and their family members. They get to tell their side of the story. If you want to hear the specifics of the crimes committed, you can follow their Facebook page, Military True Crime Addict, or visit their website, MilitaryTrueCrimeAddict.com. Check out the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast, and don't forget to subscribe. All the links will be on the show notes. A cup of coffee, a small table, a girl with curly hair, tanned skin, and a red bonnet. These are the details that I remember in my fog-like state, the state in between wakefulness and satisfaction. Beads of sweat dampened my face and my body, making my black shirt cling to my skin. It's almost done, and I still have one task left. Disposal. Disposal of another chain dough. It was not my fault she came in knocking on my door asking for help with anatomy. I aced the quiz. No doubt about that. I love the subject. Obsessed with it. One of the reasons why I am doing this. This is just a preparation for my dream. A dream that I am obsessed about. I shouldn't have done it, but I was tempted. She said no one knew where she's going. A piece of information she should have withheld from me. The reason of her demise. The temptation was too strong and before I knew it, she's on my basement table, dismembered, dead, and most importantly, unrecognizable. Now, I am curious, how will they know who she is or the person she used to be? Of course. She will be tagged as missing just like the other girl last week, but they will never find her. This one, should I at least give them a clue? 
A rush of adrenaline courses through me on that thought. There's nothing more exciting than the prospect of being caught. I catch my reflection in the mirror and don't even recognize me. My eyes are wild. My hair tamed in a bun covered by a surgical cap and my hands are fitted in black surgical gloves. I'm far from the timid rural girl that everyone thought they knew. My lips lifted and I thought even my smile is sinister. The mood in the university is gloomy. Jenna is missing for a week now and the bad turns to worse when a fisherman caught a glimpse of a severed hand by the river this morning. No confirmation has been made yet, but people are speculating. They're speculating that that severed hand belonged to her. I enter the room and sees Violet and her group huddled together on the corner. They look distressed and worried. Everyone's distressed and worried. And so, I blend in. I tried my best to look and feel distressed and worried too. But I just keep to myself as I always do. As they always know, I always do. It was Jenna's. That severed hand belonged to her. When this news went out, no one's eyes were dry. Even I shed some tears. Then, Violet started circulating this rumor that maybe she ventured out into the river alone and drunk, not knowing that crocodiles are lurking around. And got eaten alive. I asked if this is something she used to do and she answered. She did it once. She might have done it again. Five more girls went missing in a month. Now, the authorities have seven missing girls on their hands and have no clue what's going on. Yet. I know it's just a matter of time before someone figures something out. This hit international news. In a country like this, seven missing girls is a cause of alarm. The Philippine government got international help this time. Violet's theory about the crocs reached someone's ears and given action. Two months ago, News of missing fisherman and cow circulated. One eyewitness said that he saw a big crocodile devour his grazing cow by the river. He said, the reptile is bigger than Lolong. The story has given the theory the validation it needed for the government to take necessary actions. It took months. But the croc they're looking for is far more slippery than the first one. Besides, it's never really the croc they should be looking for. It should be me. But they don't know that. Only one person knows that. And now, she's lying on the table in front of me. 
dismembered, dead, and most importantly, unrecognizable. She's just a lot like her, always watching my every move. Her eyes were full of speculation. Someone I can't fool with my rural sweet girl act. She reminds me of her. She reminds me of Trina with her long, silky black hair. It just irked me that she dyed her hair blonde. It doesn't matter. What can I ask for? I have another trophy to be added to my collection. The other black and silky. This one blonde. Plus, a pair of eyes. Eyes that used to watch me. Yes, mom? Have you heard the news? What news? The police said it's not the crocodiles doing it. Okay, I trail off, waiting for her to continue. They said a serial killer is running around killing college girls. I faked my shock. That's horrible. Yes, it is. And me and your dad are both worried about you. Would you like us to drive down there? I paused and looked around the messy basement and my trophies. Well, I'd love that, Mom. I missed you and Dad so much and I'm scared. Oh, my poor baby. We'll be there on weekend. Just prepare your things. I sure will, Mom. I love you, Elsa. I love you too, Mom. And the line went dead. No time to waste. If there is one thing I hated, it's the disposal of such a precious masterpiece. I long to feel close to them a little longer, but then I need to know my priorities. And it is to feed her. To feed the river just outside of my back window. Besides, I am not a monster. I have a name now. I am a serial killer. If you like the story, click the subscribe button and drop a review. Right now, I am publishing all my original written stories, however, I am still accepting listener stories. So, if you have one, just send it over to weaveroftalespodcast at gmail.com. For questions about story submissions, you can leave me a voice message through the link or head on to our Facebook page with the same name and let's chat through WhatsApp. Follow us also on Twitter and Instagram for you to be updated with our latest episodes. 
good news. We just launched our Patreon page and you can start supporting the podcast. There are three tiers to choose from. You can opt to be a supporter, a weaver, or a storyteller. Once again, this is Regine and this is Weaver of Tales podcast where we make our stories and memories timeless.